right, greetings fans, friends, and readers. Garen Eme, Tulsa World Sports columnist, along with Mark Cooper, the beat writer covering the Oklahoma State Cowboys for us. This is the world's best Oklahoma State podcast. Cowboy football is a topic. Pretty big game this weekend as Boise State comes to Boone Pickens Stadium for a 2.30 kickoff. The number 17 ranked team in the country. Easily the best team that OSU has faced to this point. One of the best non-conference teams that Mike Gundy has brought into Stillwater. And uh, we'll start, Mark, with the angst of, of Cowboy Nation. They're, they're trying to figure out what they have still after two weeks in this OSU football team. And I don't think, uh, I don't think they'll know until they see them tangle with someone their own size. Yeah, I think there was probably always going to be angst when you open the year with South Alabama and Missouri State, because unless you're shutting them out and putting up 70 points, you're going to find something to be unhappy with, you know? I think uh, Taylor Cornelius got better, and the offensive line got worse in the second game of the year. So, uh, you know, everybody sort of went from week one, people worried about Taylor Cornelius, and mm-hmm. is he the guy? Is he going to be able to do it on the field? And, and second game, he looked a lot better, but the offensive line struggled against South Alabama, and Justice Hill, nine carries, 32 yards, and, and all of a sudden you're worried about uh, how are they going to handle Boise State up front. Uh, but I think those those things are sort of natural. And like you said, we're sort of going to figure that out this weekend against Boise State. Okay, you brought up the offensive line, and I, and I get it. Gundy himself, Mike Gundy is saying that this is what he called below average, basically. Yeah. He, he went from nonplussed in week one to below average in week two. That's a, that's a bad trend. But I was talking about this on, on the air uh, the, this week on Sports Talk Radio. I get that the offensive line has been a problem. It might be a problem, but are, are we overselling Boise State's ability to really disrupt OSU's offense and, and take advantage of OSU, OSU's offensive line? I don't. In other words, I don't think the challenge physically is as great as say when you play TCU. Now, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I I think you're probably right. I we'll get into the schedule and we were just talking about it. I think Boise State's going to be a little more challenging than the next five or six teams Oklahoma State yeah. might face. I mean maybe until you get to the Texas game. Uh, but but I think you're building this up. This is the first ranked non-conference team to come to Stillwater since 2009 when right. Georgia came. And so I think there's kind of a natural feeling that you have to build, that they're being built up mm-hmm. to be something maybe that they're not. Obviously, they're a top 25 team, and they beat Oklahoma State, and they might go 12-0. Yeah. Uh, but may, maybe maybe the challenge isn't as great as, as people are making it out to be. And, and maybe things aren't as bad for OSU as, right. as they looked against South Alabama. Uh, I went back and looked last year against South Alabama. Justice Hill had 11 carries for 27 yards. And Oklahoma State went on to sort of be just fine in their run game that year. Uh, you know, their offensive line tend to figure things out. I, my, I go back to what Mike Gundy said in August where he thought by October 1st this offensive line would look better than it did a year ago. And so maybe it's still figuring some things mm-hmm. out. Uh, obviously, they need to make a jump this this week. But I think the Oklahoma State's running backs are, are good enough to they should excel against yeah. Boise State. All right, you brought up Hill. Let's just take care of this. There, there's nothing. There's nothing weird going on with him. This is this is literally OSU just not wanting to throw him out there the first two weeks and 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 take on unnecessary punishment. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's no sign. He he wasn't getting many carries, and then he came on the field. There was never a point where right uh, you saw him leave the field or okay. you know without his helmet or you know I I wasn't in the stadium on Saturday, but, right. but watching on TV, you know they they turn to him on the sideline quite often and uh-huh. uh yeah I think it I think it's limiting his carries and not being too concerned that yeah. he needs the reps and 
some of those other guys maybe need the reps a little bit more. And I know that that turned into a big point of discussion, obviously, with, with Rodney Anderson and what happened there. Mm-hmm. And you never know when a guy is going to get hurt. It could be on his first carry or on his sure. 11th carry. And so uh, in that in that way, maybe Mike Gundy looks smart for protecting Justice Hill. He's 19 carries through two games. Um, yeah. you know, uh, Gundy said he wants him to average 15 carries a game. Well, he's got... He could he could carry the ball twenty six times this weekend and he'd be averaging fifteen yeah. carries a game yeah. for the year. So he sort of built things up to where he can give him the ball a ton the next couple of weeks and still stay true to what he tried to say before the season. Let's stay with OSU's offense while we're there, and I want to switch to to Taylor Cornelius. You you got in it. You dug into him a little bit this week. You wrote about what you've seen from every pass he's thrown uh, over the first two weeks, and so how. I mean, you're, you're better to ask maybe than, uh, than a lot of folks. How, how do you feel about where he is? How do you feel about where he stands going into this, this kind of challenge? The biggest thing that Oklahoma State needed to see week one to week two was that he improved and that he seemed more confident and, mm-hmm. and he was a little bit more accurate, a little bit more decisive. Uh, and like you said, I went back and watched uh, all of his passes the first two games of the year, and that w- the biggest difference was he was more aggressive. Uh, I think... Game one, I counted 11 of his 35 attempts, went more than 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage, pretty much spent that entire game, you know, short throws, and mm-hmm. especially after his interception and his near interception, he kind of, you know, held back a little bit the rest of the game. That second game, it was 23 out of his 40 throws were 10-plus yards, and uh, as the game went on in the third quarter, he was pushing the ball down the field more and more often, so uh, I got the sense that he started to trust his arm a little bit more and, and maybe trust his his decision making and uh it was a good sign that even after he threw that interception whether or not uh, mm-hmm. the, the south alabama defender held on to it all the way to the ground i don't know uh but even after that he continued to throw the ball deep and i mm-hmm. thought that was a really important sign i thought it, it was overall a good performance despite two turnovers yeah. because the, he didn't let those turnovers affect how he handled the next drive here's here's what we might have learned coming out of south alabama um, not so much about taylor cornelius but we we were reminded that Whoever, whether it's Cornelius, Drew Brown, Spencer Sanders, whoever's quarterbacking this team in this offense, they got to have the ball in the hands of Wallace and Johnson. Not just the running backs who were the story coming out of week one, right? But Tylen Wallace and Tyron Johnson, in, in case you were wondering about life on the outside after Washington and Aitman, they're, they're not Washington and Aitman, but they're good enough. You better, you better get on the ball. Yeah. I mean, we've, we're clear on this, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Tylen Wallace has been phenomenal these first two games. He's kind of emerged as the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty amazing given that he only caught seven passes last year and, and really only played when there were times where James Washington got banged up. Uh, but he's he's really reliable, and it seems like he and Cornelius have a pretty good connection. And uh, you saw Tyron Johnson in, on that first drive of the game. Cornelius play action roll out roll out right, and mm-hmm. Tyron Johnson gets free and, and catches a pass eleven or twelve yards down the field, and turns it into a sixty yard gain. He has that ability every time you give him the ball, and uh, he's he's somebody that they have to get five six receptions a game to because he can break one at at any time. So uh, yeah, I think you know this kind of encapsulates everything we've just talked about there's still an element of pick your poison with with the opposing defense that South Alabama you know Mike Gundy said they brought safeties down they did what they could to limit Justice Hill and as a result Taylor Cornelius throws for more than 400 yards whereas the first game of the year uh, maybe Missouri State plays the pass a little bit more and and goes for 437 so uh, I think you might see kind of that ebb and flow all year long where if Boise State comes out this week and decides we're not going to let Tylen Wallace and Tyron Johnson beat us then it's Justice Hill and J.D. King's turn to try to get their yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I OSU's going to score. I'm sorry. I, Boise State is better defensively than what the Cowboys have faced. The offensive line for OSU is a concern. 
I know people are still trying to figure out what they have in Taylor Cornelius, but I, I just got to think OSU's going to score. I, to me, Mark, the key is is going to be on the other side of the ball and what the Cowboys have planned for Brett Rippon and, and Boise State's offense, the one that just set a school record with 800-whatever yards. 818. Against, yeah. 818 was it against against UConn. Um, but, you know, what? Rippon's interesting, isn't he? Because he, as good as he looks now, and he's actually on some Heisman radars. Right. I don't know if you've checked that out. He's like top 10, I think, on the ESPN poll this week. As good as he is right now, or as sharp as he looks right now, he, he was not this quarterback a year ago. Remember Montel Coz, the Cozart, the kid that used to be at Kansas? He ended yeah, up at Boise, and he replaced Ribbon yeah, last yeah. year at, at one point. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, and certainly maybe that comes with more experience, but how, how much of him th- completing 73 75% of his passes or whatever is the fact that they've started this year with Troy and right, Connecticut. Right, right. I think... A lot of people tend to look at OSU's numbers on both sides of the ball and say, well, look at their opponent. Mm-hmm. But you could say that about sure. probably 80% of the teams in the country to this point. No, nobody's really played anybody yet except for some big games that first weekend. And uh, so there's probably a lot of unknown there. The one thing that I, I do think is interesting is Boise State has had three different receivers go over 100 yards mm-hmm. in these first two games. And so uh, no matter how their quarterback plays, they've got more playmakers on the outside than OSU has seen to this point no in doubt. the year. And all the talk in August and last off season and, and dating back to last season was Oklahoma State being vulnerable at cornerback, yep. uh, especially once you get past A.J. Green, even if you start to trust him a little bit more. And the fact that they've got three guys who could all go for 100 yards and, and on any week is, is scary for this OSU defense. Got a hot quarterback throwing to some really good receivers, and that's interesting because Boise lost its best receiver of a year ago. A kid named Cedric Wilson, I think, yeah. ended up in the NFL. And something else, the the guy they expected to be the number one receiver going into this season, I don't think he didn't play last week. I'm not sure he's played to this point. Yeah, the the kid who's who's leading them in receiving is a five foot eleven Sean Modster, and yeah, and from what I understand, he he was sort of not expected to be the guy that he's been so far, but he has 13 catches yeah. for 200 and something yards, and uh, they've they've discovered quite a few different guys at, at this point. So with that combination, and with OSU's vulnerability on the corner. I get, again, I get the concern if, if you're a Cowboy fan coming into this one and therefore the need for the offense to, to play better and, and the, off, the offensive line to block better so that you can control the ball and score enough points to win the game. Uh, but I, again, tur- I, I turn it back on the Cowboys' defense. And if you're worried about coverage and, and the back end, well, what about up front? What, what can they do to get to Rippon? No one has to, over the first two games. I think Boise's given up one sack so far. No one's bothered him. They have a very if, if if offensive line is is a concern for the Cowboys, it is a it is not for Boise. They've got returning starters up and down the line. They've got a giant left tackle, got Ezra Cleveland. So the question becomes: A, do you rely on Brailford and and Bundich to just be better, quicker, stronger, faster, whatever on the ends to get to Rippon before he can get to the Cowboy cornerbacks? Or B, do you rely on Jim Knowles to cook to cook something up? I think it's I think it's going to be the latter, just based on our interactions with Jim Knowles and and what we've learned about how he runs his defenses. Mm-hmm. His his goal is to force the quarterback to make a decision before he wants to make a decision and and to put all of the pressure on that quarterback. And so I would expect there's going to be some things that that we see in this game that we didn't see those first two games. I don't know uh, who's who those players are going to be, but I think the one thing that uh, we did learn about the defense these first couple weeks is they've got a lot of speed there. You mentioned you know Bundage and Brailford and uh, you know Malcolm Rodriguez has has turned into a playmaker already. There's there's a lot of guys who who are pretty fast on this defense, and uh, I'm interested to see how he uses those guys to try to get in the backfield because I think that I think you're right. I think if Oklahoma State's defense uh, is successful in this game, it's because it's putting pressure 
uh, on the quarterback in the backfield, and that leads to mistakes on the other end. Yeah, the only the only team that has more sacks than the Cowboys for two weeks is Arizona State, the only FBS team. And again, I know there there were Russian Missouri State and South Alabama, but still, you, we all saw. You'd rather them be second than fiftieth after <laughs> well, these two yeah, games. And we all saw the the explosion. That you can't you can't cheat that. The explosion that Mundage in yes. particular showed against uh, Missouri State. And the comparison Derek Stryker flew everywhere. There was a reason for that. It wasn't just that he was playing against uh, an FCS opponent. Right. He looked pretty good. Yeah. Com- coming off the snap. Uh, this is the world's best Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys podcast with Mark Cooper. I'm Gary Nemec with the Tulsa World. Thanks very much for listening. God, I man, I'd love to really. Uh, I would have loved to talk to Jim Knowles this week about this game. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I said, it's, it's, this is in other words. I think we're, this is where we wrap Mike Gundy for being a little bit too uh, conspiratorial. What is it, conspiratorial? Is that the whatever that word? You, yeah, he's closed. He's closed ranks in terms of ta- us talking, the media talking to his two coordinators during the week. I didn't notice until this week because I really would have wanted to pick Noel's brain. Yeah, after practice, it's, it's hard. And and like we said, neither neither you nor I uh, were there in the stadium Saturday. You were you were down in Austin at right. TU in Texas. I was uh, my sister got married this weekend, so I was back in New York. Uh, but either way, uh, that's not the time to ask Jim Knowles about Boise State. Right. You know, he's he's not going to talk about Boise State when they just finished beating South Alabama by forty two points. His, right. his attention's not on on the Broncos yet. Uh, but it would have been really nice to talk mm-hmm. to him on on Tuesday after practice and like you said, pick his brain about uh, everything about this offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that. One of my favorite parts of the week is, is talking to the coordinators about that upcoming opponent. Glenn Spencer was great in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in talking to Jim Knowles after games and before the season, he would have, he would have been great to talk to this week as well because uh, it's hard to know how Oklahoma State perceives Boise State's yeah. offense without yeah. talking to him. Well, and Jim Knowles is fascinating to talk to about cereal. <laughs> I mean, he's just an interesting guy, right? We've learned that much about him. So imagine what he might have had to say about Ripon and Brian Harson and what Boise's done. Um, just real quick about the Broncos program. Everyone goes immediately to the 2007 Fiesta Bowl when, they, when it comes to these guys, especially around here, and I get that. Uh, I was at the game. I know how, how Disney-esque that was and how, how that, it'll, that game lives, lives in history and will continue to do so. But uh, isn't it interesting that uh, Boise has, has done, it, strange as it is to say, they've done bigger and better things since then and you you credit Chris Peterson who was the coach at the time for building off that moment and now you credit Harson for building off Peterson when 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 he went to Washington a few years ago yeah and, and yeah like you said they've already gotten over the hump of losing their coach that was probably the biggest thing right it's once mm-hmm. Peterson leaves can they sustain it with a new coach because that's tends to be when things start to go downhill right uh and and Harson's you know, still there, and, and you know, who knows when he'll make the jump to a larger job, but that's been really impressive. They continue to put guys in the NFL, I think, you know, all over the place, and, uh, you know, even back a few years ago, I remember when Oklahoma State was in the Cactus Bowl against Washington, Boise State was there in the Fiesta Bowl against Arizona, and so they have a tendency to get back to these big bowls and, uh, and to win big games like this one against Oklahoma State. That's the other interesting thing to me about them coming to town this week is this is their biggest game of the season. Mm-hmm. They're 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 going to be favored in every game. I no assume doubt. from here on out, no and they're only a three point underdog on the road in Stillwater. And so, uh, I'm sure you know they don't want anybody to look ahead, but they're they're definitely looking ahead and saying if if they can win this game, they've got a chance to you know really put some pressure uh, on on people ranking them if they're you know eleven and 0, 12 and zero down yeah. the stretch. Now the stakes are high for OSU as well, and I want to talk to you about that. But first, were you alive in 07? 
Yeah, I was alive in 07. <laughs> I remember watching that game. You watched, You were. What were you doing the night of that game? So I would have been, let me do the math here. Uh, that would have been, do you, remember, do you remember the exact date of that game? Uh, January 3rd, 2007. January 3rd, 2007. So I, was, so I was 15 years old, oh, put it that way. Uh, I would have been in my sophomore year of okay. high school. Yes, but I remember watching that game. I remember Ian Johnson's proposal, proposal, and the hook and ladder, and and all of that. And uh, you know, like everybody who wasn't in the state of Oklahoma at the time, I was probably pretty fired up about it <laughs> to be watching it on on the couch. So uh, yeah, that was an awesome moment. And I think from from there on, I've always sort of kept an eye on what Boise State's doing, just because they were a fun program. Yeah, I asked Harson about about that moment on Monday and wrote about it uh, midweek for the World. I thought it was cool the way he responded. Did not, doesn't, he's never going to downplay the significance of that game for his program. He'd be foolish to do so. But he, he called it its own separate entity. I mean, he, they view that separate from it's, what's it's going kinda, on now. It's kind of, from my perspective, because I was mm-hmm. in high school for both of these mm-hmm. things, it's kind of to Boise State what the rant was to Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's people, right. People around, that's you know, right. around the country associate Boise State with that one game the same way you say Oklahoma State that's football. A great point. And they say, I'm a man, I'm 40. And they happen, you know, a year apart from each other, yeah. but those those two things are what you kind of associate it with. There was a time that you would have thought, uh, and I, this is going to come as a shot at Gundy. It doesn't it, it's going to come out that way, and it's that's too bad. It, it's not meant this way. But I think there's also a time that everyone thought that Boise State and Mike Gundy were going to be known just for those two things. Yeah. And uh, the question was, well, I, I guess in Boise's case, you had to live up to it and build on it. <laughs> Maybe right. in the case of Gundy, you have to overcome it because I don't think a coach wants to be known as for anything he says after a game he wants to be known for whether he wins games but I think getting back to what you were sort of saying I think both programs have overcome it at this point yeah I, no I, you're right no that's 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 really interesting I wish I thought of that before I wrote you should have written that story <laughs> that would have been really cool to bring out all right uh stakes for Boise State you hit on this a little bit ago if, if they w- look if they win this game and they're in, they all of us, they can start thinking in terms of crashing the the playoff. Part. Especially they, if they win it impressively. Yes, as the group of five, uh, you know, gate crasher potentially because they will probably win the probably win the rest of their games. We'll see if Rippin stays healthy and all that stuff. But what about Oklahoma State? This is interesting, isn't it? Because you look at their schedule, and it, it looked favorable when it got rolled out. We thought, well, that's pretty backloaded. They don't. This doesn't start very hot for them in terms of Big Twelve opponents early. And now you see what's happened to some of these some of these opponents out of the gate in the conference. You see the weaknesses that have been exposed for the, for the likes of K State, Texas, and Texas Tech. And, and now you're really starting to think, man, they pulled this off. We're two weeks into the year, and the next five opponents after this game mm-hmm. already have a loss. Yeah, Texas Tech. You know that looks like it looked like a win before the year. It certainly looks like one now. Mm-hmm. OSU should go to Lawrence and win rather easily. Right, and then. The next three-game stretch was the one where you thought they might run into some trouble, but Iowa State, you know, scored three points in their last game, and and Texas, who knows where they'll be at in the middle of October, and then you go to Kansas State, and all of a sudden that game doesn't look quite as scary. I still think going to Manhattan, it's always going to be difficult, but uh, if Oklahoma State can beat Boise State, I think they should beat Kansas State this year, and they follow that up with a trip to Baylor, who, you know, we know about, we don't know very much about Baylor right now in terms Mm -hmm. of their football team, and so... uh, you you mentioned this when we first came in this room is Oklahoma State the potential getting past Boise State they're going to be favored to be nine and zero they're going to be favored in six consecutive games if they beat Boise State mm-hmm. 
Yeah, barring something again happening at quarterback or to Justice Hill or something weird that we don't foresee. Yeah. But that yeah, this is a uh, man. You don't you don't want to go nuts over the third game of the season. But this this has some swing to it for there, both for both programs. There aren't many non-conference games as as big as this. At least for Oklahoma State, they haven't played one this big yeah. in a really long time. Even even when they opened the year a few years ago with with Florida State, it didn't have the weight this this much weight yeah. on it because you you didn't expect OSU to win that game anyway, and you also didn't necessarily look at the schedule and say if they win this game they could win the next seven. Yeah. Where where this game, you're right. It it's sort of. Uh, you know, a tipping point for the season, you know, one way or the other. Sure. All right, we've mentioned some of the main characters here. Is there someone we're forgetting who might play a role you have a suspicion about for, for OSU this weekend? Is there uh, someone emerge who's been sort of lurking up to this point, or do we have this pretty much pegged? Well, you know, maybe lurking. We we saw Jalen McCluskey had three touchdowns, I think, in the opener, and we we talked a lot about Tylen Wallace and Tyron Johnson. Maybe this is the week Dylan Stoner flies mm-hmm. under the radar and mm-hmm. becomes the guy who catches seven passes. We haven't seen him have, have a big game yet, and, and of those four receivers, he's really the one who hasn't had that breakout game. Uh, maybe there's so much attention on the outside receivers after what OSU did last week that uh, this this gets back to a, a game where Cornelius and Dylan Stoner, who are roommates, and so they probably have as much of a connection as, as yeah. any of those guys. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is the game that he kind of gets open a bunch and, and has yeah. a big game. Wow. You think it's going to be a good one? I mean, is it going to live up to all of this hype we're, we're building here? You, you, have, you have that I, much sense? I, I would be – the only thing that would surprise me about this game is if it's not up for grabs going into the fourth okay. quarter. I would be pretty surprised if, if either one of these teams pulls away in the first two or three quarters. I think that yeah. uh, they're both very good. They're both very good in similar ways, uh, it seems, so far this season. And yeah. uh, I also think that both their offenses are better than both of the defenses, and so they should both go score a bunch of points. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, congratulations to your sister for the the, uh, the, the nuptials last weekend. You were, you were there, obviously. That's a little more important than a football game. I know that some listeners may argue otherwise. But <laughs> did, uh, I would was, hope not. <laughs> well, this is Oklahoma. I mean, I'm just saying. It, is, was it weird watching the game instead of covering it and writing about it? Yeah, it was strange. Uh, I guess in, in some ways it was fortunate that the wedding was on a Sunday afternoon rather than Saturday night because I wouldn't have paid much attention to the game right, at all. Right. Um, it was strange first trying to find uh, a game that is scheduled on Fox Sports Southwest up in upstate New York, and it was on MSG Plus, which is a channel I didn't know existed. It, <laughs> it followed a, a New York Islanders Detroit Red Wings April replay. Um, wow. So, it was buried for upstate New York yeah. viewers. I don't think that I, I might have been the only person in, in the county <laughs> watching the game. Um, but it was it was definitely strange to to watch a game from home. I think it was the first time in, in three or four years that there was an OSU game that I wasn't at. Um, but it was it was well worth it. Mm-hmm. I only have, I have one sister, and assuming all goes well, this is the only sister's wedding I'll ever attend. And yeah. uh, it was it was really special that yeah be around a bunch of people that and especially yeah. some that I haven't seen in years and and so uh well worth it and and nothing major happened in Stillwater on Saturday night right. so there was nothing that I, I truly missed when did you sh- okay be honest now when did you shed your first tear like we're talking like vows we talking rehearsal dinner the night before or, the, or two nights before uh c- ceremony ceremony ceremony, ceremony was ceremony the beginning uh the ceremony got to me uh the father-daughter dance got to me oh, quite a bit that man. that was uh yeah that was hard to hold together uh, I mentioned to you before the maid of honor speech was the best wedding yeah. speech I'd heard. So, so those were really the three points. Um, and getting to dance with my sister at one point later in the night got to me. That was, uh, 
we danced to uh, New York, New York, Sinatra. Oh, and, cool! And so that, uh, yeah, those were those were the four That's... probably the four points that that tears started to roll. <laughs> That's fantastic, man! I'm glad you got away. I think the the listeners will forgive you for missing the South Alabama. They wouldn't have been so happy if you'd sat out Boise, but you're going to be there. Bill Hastings covering it, right? Yep. He'll be alongside, uh, giving you everything you need to know about the game, stories, blogs. And we'll have great tweets, photos. Photos. Ian Mall is uh, a yeah. guest, guest appearance from our crack sports photographer, going to be on hand. So He's, he's going to ask to be on the podcast after this week. Yeah, he detail. tends to want to tell, tell everyone what he's doing, which is usually interesting because it's Ian saying it. Yeah, so. and maybe, maybe in a, a photographer who doesn't usually shoot in Boone Pickens Stadium coming on next week. Wouldn't be such a bad. Yeah, thing. no, that'd be all right. Well, have fun at the game. It should be a, it should be a, a great watch and a, and a great one to cover for sure. The Cowboys and Boise State this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm I'm glad we had a chance to visit about it. You can check out Mark's work in the Tulsa World on TulsaWorld.com. Video, visually, we're on Tulsa World TV now and then. In the meantime, uh, this is Gary Nimick wishing you a pleasant week and join us next week uh, for another edition of the World's Best Oklahoma State Podcast.